again. Husband says, uh, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, maybe I don't know. Wife says, would you let her live in our house? Husband says, I don't know. I just, you know, I don't know. Well, maybe. Wife says, would you let her sleep in our bed? He goes, I don't know. I mean, I don't know, okay? She says, would you let her use my golf clubs? <laughs> he says, oh, no way. She's left-handed. <laughs> First time I heard that joke, I thought, is that appropriate for church? Well, I'm going to have you sing a song with me because it sort of ties into my teaching. I also love this song. This is the song, one of the few songs that people will come up and say, don't ever play that again. But I happen to really like it. And I'm too loud. I was standing by my window on a cold and cloudy day. When I saw that, I can't hear you, hearse come rolling for to carry my mother away. Will the circle be unbroken by and by, Lord, by and by? There's a better home awaiting in the sky, Lord, sky Oh, I followed close behind her Tried to hold up and be brave But I could not hide my sorrow When they laid her in her grave Will the circle be unbroken by and by, Lord, by and by, there's a better home awaiting in the sky, Lord, in the sky. Then I sang songs from my childhood, hymns of faith that made me strong, precious songs that my mother taught me and the angels sang along will the circle be unbroken by and by lord by and by there's a better home awaiting in the sky lord The circle be unbroken by and by, Lord, by and by. There's a better home awaiting in the sky, Lord, in the sky, in the sky, Lord, in the sky. That's all for this morning. Now I actually have a sermon to go with us.
I sang that whole song to include this verse. Then I sang songs from my childhood, hymns of faith that made me strong, precious songs that my mother taught me, and, 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 and the angels sang along. The angels sang along. Some of you, maybe many of you, have heard me use the term fourth man worship. It's a term I use to explain the phenomenon of having more voices singing than there are people in the room. (laughs) And it's a delightful experience. It's happened to me many times. There are just more voices than people. And I believe this happens whenever our surrounding angels are inspired to join with us and offer praises to the Lord along with us. After all, he's their Lord too. It sort of reminds me of when Nebuchadnezzar threw three young men into a fiery furnace, but then said he saw four. Did not we throw three in? But I see four. I see four. With these in mind, would you please open your Bible to the book of Daniel, chapter 3, verse 8. Daniel, chapter 3, verse 8. Verse 8. And I'll read. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You have issued a decree, O king, that everyone who hears the sound of your horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold. And that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But... There are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, O king. They neither serve your gods nor your image of gold that you have set up. It says in verse 13, furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that we get an opportunity to come here every Sunday and learn more about you and feel your presence and perhaps have your angels sing along with our worship. Lord, we love you so much and we just pray that we will hear your small voice this morning and what it is you would have for each one of us, some nugget that you would like us to do for you in the very near future. We ask these things in Jesus' name. The year is 586 B.C. and we are in the province of Babylon. It is now the 18th year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign and he has just recently erected a gigantic golden image of himself, and everyone in Babylon has been commanded to bow down and worship this idol. Just as a note, the golden image was 90 feet high, about the height of an eight-story building, but only nine feet wide, which meant it may have looked more like an obelisk, like the Washington Monument, than like a person. However, the Babylonians often distorted human figures when they created sacred images, so it's hard to know for sure what it looked like. In any case, at that time in Babylon, many of the Jews who had been taken into captivity years earlier are now holding very prominent positions in the government, in the king's administration, a situation that the king's astrologers don't like at all. They're other advisors. So when these astrologers learned that the Jews were not bowing down to the golden image, they pounced, they pounced. Verse 8 reads, At this time some astrologers came forward to Nebuchadnezzar, and denounced the Jews. The word denounced here literally means tear to pieces. Tear to pieces. They denounced the Jews, and they specifically named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
as an aside, the fact that the astrologers don't mention Daniel, who unquestionably was also not bowing down to the golden image, most likely is due to the elevated position he now held in the court. In short, Daniel had simply become too powerful, too well associated with Nebuchadnezzar to mess with. So the astrologers quickly named Daniel's three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as violators of the king's mandate to worship his idol. And King Nebuchadnezzar flies into a rage and summons these three lads to come into his presence. And we read in verse 14, And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Then he goes on to restate all the rules attached to worshiping him. He says in verse 15, Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very well, good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. And he eyes them closely and says, Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And, and, and will rescue us from your hand, O king. I'm thinking, what faith, how powerful, how undaunted. They even add 18, but even if he does not rescue us, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. And here is where the rubber meets the road. These three young men are saying, our God will save us from anything you can throw at us, at us, but, but, even if he doesn't, we will never turn away from him. That's strong stuff. Even if he doesn't, we don't care. We're never turning away from our God. This gets right to the heart of our Christian walk. We say, may God, my God is able to save me from any predicament I get into, but even if he doesn't save me, I still believe in him. I still believe in him. And I've always found amazing peace when I read this particular section of Scripture, which essentially says, Romans 8.28, God works all things together for our good because we love him and we are called according to his purpose. I don't care what mess you've gotten yourself into. God will work it to good for you when you love him and you're called according to purpose. In other words, if God is not rescuing me from my current dilemma, then it's because somehow I am serving his purpose. And somehow he and I are both going to prosper from it in time. There's always good being done by God, no matter what mess we've kind of made up. True story. Recently, I was on the phone with a cell phone rep trying to figure out why my phone wasn't working properly. And for a lot of reasons, this conversation was taking forever. Anyway, as I often like to say, any conversation that goes on long enough will always arrive at Jesus Christ. Any conversation that goes on long enough will always arrive at Jesus Christ, and so it did. Pretty soon we were talking about her church in Fort Lauderdale and why, for various reasons, she could only attend on Thursday nights. Then we discussed why God so often doesn't seem to intervene when we need him the most. And out of nowhere, she said something 
knocked my socks off. She said, well, you know, if God never tests you, you never have a testimony. And I thought about that. That's amazing. That's absolutely correct. If God never tests you, you never have a testimony. You see, so often we use the word testimony to mean how we finally accepted Christ. That came to me one day, I was out in the garden, that's my testimony. But in truth, we are always testifying to the truth of Jesus Christ in our lives. We are living testimonies. And every time God tests us, we get a new testimony. We get more evidence to help us prove to others that Jesus is real. See, the only reason we've been brought into the kingdom at all is to bring others into the kingdom. <laughs> That's our job. We are supposed to help people believe that Jesus is real. Help him, people believe that you can get to heaven, that you can be saved, that your worries are over if you just believe in God. It's the most important thing we do. And I really love how God works. Right in the middle of the world's longest telephone conversation, he steps in and makes it wonderful for me. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego tell Nebuchadnezzar they're not interested in having him as their new god. And I admire that. Verse 19, then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of his strongest soldiers to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. Interesting. It was customary in those times to completely strip people of all their clothing before executing them in the fiery furnace. This disregard for the normal custom is best explained by the king's urgency, urgency to deal with these three troublemakers. I'm not taking this, he said. I'm not going to let them get away with it. In fact, our text goes on to say in verse 22, the king's command was so urgent and the fire was so hot, the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. It's interesting, these poor soldiers, some of the strongest men, died from the heat, but somehow managed to throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fire first. Verse 24, Nebuchadnezzar says, he leapt to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men we tied up and threw into the fire? I love their answer. Certainly, O king, they replied. <laughs> he said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the Son of God. I like that. The last sentence, and the fourth looks like the Son of God, is from the King James Version of this story. Most other versions put it this way, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods, which is correct. Actually, you're not going to believe this, I think the newer translation is more accurate for reasons we're going to discuss in just a minute. In any case, we know that the fourth man in the fire is Jesus. The fourth man in the fire is the Son of God. The fourth man in the fire is our dearest friend, Jesus Christ. And that's because Jesus is always the fourth man in the fire. He's always in the fire. I've talked about this before, but this story about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego comforts me because it reminds me that in my life, too, Jesus is always in the fire with me. 
He's always in the fire. I may feel alone. I may feel abandoned. I may feel forsaken. I may feel confused and angry. But then I remember what Jesus said. Hebrews 13.5, I will never leave you or forsake you. Matthew 28.20, Lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. This scripture, oddly though, does not tell us whether Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could see Jesus in the fire with them. I think, though, they probably couldn't. I think they couldn't. Why? Because 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says we walk by faith and not by sight. They had so much faith, he didn't need to present himself to them. He was being shown so that Nebuchadnezzar could see him. He was revealing himself to Nebuchadnezzar. He already knew that these men knew all about him. They weren't even worried about anything. It's others who can see Jesus Christ when we are standing firm in our faith in the fire. People see Jesus next to you, in you, around you. When you're standing tall, when you're standing strong, when you're really dealing with a difficult issue, but you are not losing any of your heart, you are not losing any of your faith, you are just standing strong for the Lord, people see that. They frankly probably see an image of Jesus hovering, because you're so strong. You're doing the thing that's so right. And here's the miracle, verse 26. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satrap, so came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governor, royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair on their head singed, nor were their robes scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. This is huge. Not only were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego not harmed in the fire, there wasn't even a trace of the fire left upon them. Not even a trace. Their bodies were unharmed. Not a hair on their heads was singed. Their robes were untouched by the flames. They didn't even have the smell of smoke clinging to them. And, you know what, gang? This is usually the case when we're serving God, too, believe it or not. Maybe you've noticed, when we are in the fire, in a fire, so to speak, it may seem unbearable, but later, generally, there is no residue left on us from being in that fire. You see, in this world, we go in and out of fires all the time. But for most of the time, for all our screaming and howling, the fires just tend to strengthen us. They strengthen us. And again, I am reminded of the promise of Romans 8.28. God works all things together for our good because we love him and we are called according to his purpose. This is one 100% true in our lives. After every fire, after every storm, after every trial, after every test, not only do I have another strong testimony, but God has also turned something into good for me because he has made something in this world better than it was before. That's his promise. Let me read just a little more. Verse 28. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to God, the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Here's the first really good thing to come from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego 
being in the fire. One, Nebuchadnezzar has now seen the power of God with his own eyes. His heart has changed. That's a good thing. His heart has changed. His heart, he, because of this behavior, can see the power of God at work. And being seen the power of God at work by their behavior, by their unwillingness to surrender, by their unwillingness to ever give up on him. His heart has changed. And he says, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him, defied me, and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any God except their own. Wow. Wow. Whether or not we know it, when we pass through a fire, people can also see the true power of God displayed in us. And their minds, their hearts, and their feelings begin to start to be drawn toward God and Jesus Christ. But there's even more. Nebuchadnezzar adds, Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut to pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubbish, for no other God can save in this way. Here's the second good thing that God has just done during this time in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Because of this, Nebuchadnezzar, for all intents and purposes, has just become a believer in the God of Israel. And he has already begun protecting and spreading this new faith across his entire empire. And here's something else I find wonderful. Something to note, and why I said earlier that Nebuchadnezzar is is a questionable issue here. For all his newfound praise for the God of Israel, Nebuchadnezzar has only a partial understanding of who God really is. Is This praise is interesting. It's just top-notch. But when you really look at what history tells us about Nebuchadnezzar, we find out that for this, all this praise he's giving, he continues to believe in all his other gods as well. It's not like he has found, seen the light and said, I get it, I've been wrong all these years. I had no idea. No, he said, there's another one that really works. I'll get that God too. I'll make him one of my gods too. And that's exactly what he did. It's sort of like, bear with me here, it's sort of like when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, but we continue to serve all those gods we were supposed to leave behind. The God of greed. The God of lies. The God of selfishness. The God of unforgiveness. The God of theft. The God of profanity. The God of lust the God of drugs, and on and on and on. Friends, giving Jesus the love, the exclusive love and loyalty he deserves is almost always a lifetime endeavor and a lifetime challenge. But it's worth, it's a battle worth fighting. Try to get right in line. Try to pull back all the other worship dudes you did of all those other things that have no place in your life anymore. And it's not easy. Almost nobody gets rid of them all. Almost nobody has been able to get absolutely exclusive faith in Jesus. But it is our job to do as well as we can. And we conclude, verse 30, Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. This is interesting. After the fire, they all got better jobs. (laughs) I'm sure you've noticed when you have passed through an ordeal, when you have passed through a fire, you may not have gotten a better job, but I promise 
you have gotten a better you. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are such a loving God, that you take every opportunity to bless us, that you take every opportunity to take the things that we've just muddled up and somehow use them for good, to make more good in this world, to make things better. And Lord, you're constantly working on us to improve. Lord, we all, if we could, would come right to you and apologize and say, Lord, I'll do better, I promise. This isn't as good as I get. But Lord, it's true. We are all working on doing better and better and better because we love you so much. And Lord Jesus, we just love you for the sacrifice on the cross. We love you that you were willing to go through a fire of sheer pain and agony just for us, just for us. And we thank you for doing that in Jesus' name. Amen. I have one little song I'm going to close with before we go do the communion. I've asked John to come up here and help me with it. And he reluctantly agreed. But I like singing with him. I love his voice. I'm going to sing back up. Sing back up. Okay. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, oh, my soul rejoice, take joy, my King, in what you hear. May it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. I love you, Lord, and I lift my hands to worship you as your word. you see, may it be a pleasing sight unto thee, may it be a pleasing sight unto thee. God bless you all.